Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, back to Purple Nuna Podcast. I am Stephanie Conti, and I am here with Zencaster user Justice for Derek, aka Savannah Lanause. And we and she says Justice for Derek as a I said Justice for Derek. Wow. <laughs> as a a little sneak preview into what our thoughts are for today's review. But how you doing, Savannah? I'm I'm chilling. How are you? I, I hear uh I, I like... have a little bit of a story time to not only tell our viewers, but to tell you for the first time. Okay. And this is also kind of like nothing movie related, but l- just a life lesson I learned by sheer luck. Okay. Okay. So yesterday, um my dad changed the light bulbs out in our front doorway like in the doorway and everything the light bulb and stuff he changed them so me my boyfriend zach aka also our audio engineer and i took my dog molly aka rat um out for a walk and so usually always on the way out because it's getting darker i turn on the light thank god zach was with me because i grab my dog i'm holding her and like i put her on the leash and everything i turn on the light we walk together maybe 20 feet away from my door and all of a sudden we hear weird noise we turn around sparks were emitting from the light like Uh, to a point where zach's like he said he it was like because i was looking immediately at the ac unit he knew the sound and he looked at the front door he was smart because I'm looking at the side of the house thinking, oh, crap, snake got in our AC unit again. You know, it happens. It's we, we live in Florida. <laughs> Snakes crawl in. They just get gutted up in there. It's pretty ugly. So I'm looking at that way. He, his keen, you know, sight and sound and everything goes straight to the door. And he says it literally looked like someone was welding in front of your house. That is how much sparks were coming out. So I was like, wow, okay. So I luckily had my cell phone. I called up my dad. And at first I was like, hey, like, uh, hey, can you please go and turn off that light to make sure it doesn't emit? He was like, yeah, no, you never want to do that in this situation. And I'm like, well, why? He goes, yeah, if something with the breakers, I don't know. I don't know the lingo. But (laughs) essentially saying that I could have – if. I was on my alone, essentially. What I would have done is I would have walked out, heard it, possibly seen the lights. And if I didn't see the lights, I would have turned off the lights myself, most likely holding my dog. And I would have fried oh, with God. my dog in my hand. Molly. So not only do, did I escape that first wave where I didn't, you know, linger any longer or I could have been showered with beaming sparks, but as well as... I almost really could have bit the lightning on the teeth if I had turned off that light myself. So luckily, no one got hurt. But I was like, wow, not only could I have possibly died or been extremely burned once, that could have happened twice because I just didn't know. So if you ever see lights sparking, <laughs> um, get something that's non-conductible. Even if you got to throw a book at the light switch, do it. So that way you don't touch it. Wow. Yeah, because I really would have been like, oh, could you imagine if I got burned on the way out, saw the thing, ran back in, turned off the light, and just got shocked with my dog, and we would have been, like, dead in the front yard? That's not a – no, I don't want to think about that. Mm-mm. I don't want to think Mm-mm. about that. No, nah, that's, uh, that's, that's some David Fincher-type stuff right there. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that. 
But yeah, so learning lesson. That was a learning lesson. So if you ever see sparks coming off a light, yeah, just call someone who knows what what's going on. Don't don't just go, oh, I'll just turn off the light, because that really could have ended badly for me. Well, thank thank God for Zach. For sure. No like, oh my God, if he wasn't there, I would have made every wrong mistake. First of all, I would have run inside, turned off the light, thinking it was the AC unit because a snake got in it. I would have been wrong. I would have been so wrong and it would have been horrible. <laughs> so yeah, that was my I'm glad that very, worked out for you though. I know, me too. But that was that's a very, a very lackluster way of like, hey, I almost died twice. <laughs> that's okay. You're here. No mistakes were made. That's what you got to tell yourself. Like, you didn't make any mistakes. Just Yeah, pause. no, I just, I didn't know. I don't know breakers and routers and whatever. Whatever. I don't know. And it's fine. Just now I know. And just if you're listening to this, don't do that. Easy. Thank you. Thank Easy you for the life advice. Yeah, because I would have, because well, because I've been <laughs> electrocuted before. Not fun, but not oh, on God. a level like that. Not like power from the house electrocution but like i've been electrocuted via horse fence <laughs> and um oh yeah i think i've told you i was uh, i essentially i crawled into a horse pen a horse got rowdy and on the way out i got hit because i i sneaked underneath the wire and i got hit with uh the fence it wasn't painful painful but it definitely was like I cartoonishly screamed like yo like that. <laughs> and then the second time was um I was blowing up an air mattress and I literally had my finger on the metal part that you stick into the wall. Mm-hmm. And so when it plugged in, I got shocked. I flew back, my arm went numb for a minute, but I got stuck in between the wall and the air mattress and I was kind of chilling there for 5 minutes <laughs> until I could feel my arm again. So you've had a lot of experience with these. It happens in Florida. You know, that's not like maybe not like, oh, like if you live in California or New York or, you know, any of those hemispheres of the U.S., it's not going to be super common. But Florida, especially with all the lightning we get, it's pretty common around here. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm happy you made it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we got to talk criterions because it is... Also, the Criterion uh, July sale with Barnes & Noble. So, Savannah, I've, I've understood that you got a movie or two. What movie or two did you get? I'm pacing myself. I'm pacing mm-hmm. myself. I'm like, I got, a, I got a month. You know, I got a month to really, of course, of to course. really dig in. Um, I got, I only got one so far, a Swing Time. It's a Ginger Rogers movie. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Start with a little classic. It's mm-hmm. very pretty. I, I like the the setup for it. And the DVD and the art and stuff is really cool. What did you buy? Or how many did you buy? So I got one, two, one box set, three, two box sets, five. How many movies in total is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got nine movies, I think. Yes, I got nine movies. You know, I thought I got a lot more. And that's kind of disappointing with the price that I paid. (laughs) I thought I got a lot more. But anyways, so the ones I got, because for those of you who don't know, highly recommend checking out Amazon during this time of Criterion sales because they usually price match. And if you got Amazon Prime, why not get it within two days instead of five days, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the ones I got from Barnes and Noble because they were not on sale on Amazon was um I got a Larissa Sheptico um box set which essentially has the movie Wings mm. and The Ascent. So The Ascent was recently not too long ago put on Blu-ray, but I decided to go for the box set to get two of them for like, you know, the price of one. Nice. So she's like a USSR slash Afghani um, female director. And she was the only person because I was kind of going through because I was like, you know what? I don't really have an order in how I collect criterions or how I view them. I kind of wanted to try going by country. And I started with Afghanistan and she was mm-hmm. the only one in there. So I was like, you know what? Let's start. Let's start there and just buy it. So because I'm thinking oh, about like doing a cool. I think it would be cool to do a TikTok series on like best uh criterions from each different country that is within the criterion you know yeah that's very cool so i got that i got a old roman polanski film called knife in the water and it was the first i believe it was like his debut and he also um was nominated for an oscar for best for uh for, for best foreign film that's funny i was just reading uh the once upon a time in hollywood book and they were talking about knife in the water really what did they say about it well you know the scene where they first see roman polanski and um sharon tate Mm -hmm. like in the film so basically they kind of give you a backstory of uh polanski's like filmography and they talk about how it was kind of the one that put his name out there Mm -hmm. and then i think the other one after that was repulsion and he obviously had some movies in between but those were like the two big ones and then um rosemary's baby so I was just reading about that and how it was like so big at the time. Yeah, and it looked really interesting. I believe it's one that he made. I believe he is Polish, so it's the one that he made in Poland. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Poland. Polish. Is he Polish? I have a feeling he's Polish. Yes, he's Polish. Polish it, yeah. it, it is made in Poland, and it's a older Criterion. It has not been put out on Blu-ray yet, but it it, it is an older Criterion and. I was a little bit shocked because for the longest time, it still has retained the same value as like a Blu-ray criterion. Like every time I've gone on Amazon, it's been over $30. So I'm like, dang, okay. So Barnes & Noble had it for sale last time when they had their, uh, didn't they? Yeah, I think their last sale was in November. Mm -hmm. So last time they did it, Knife in the Water sold out completely. So I grabbed it because I was like, okay, maybe someone will mention it, especially, you know, with uh, now even the mentioning of the of it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'm happy I got my hands on that. Um, I got a um, a duo by a French filmmaker, and essentially the two movies are Jeté and Sans Soleil. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, and one of them, because um, I, I wanted to get more into – sci-fi film sci-fi film specifically within the criterion so this one is by a director named chris marker and i honestly think it's either jeté or sans soleil either one of those is the basis for 12 monkeys interesting okay i didn't know that so yeah so i'm i'm definitely eager to see that um yeah i think it is um sans soleil but anyway so there was that one i also um 
I really do like Pasolini as a director. And I say that not thinking about Solo. I say that thinking about um, his movie Mamma Roma. Have you ever seen Mamma Roma? I've heard of Mamma Roma. Oh, I have it on DVD. I'll let you borrow it. It's so good. Because Anna Mignani is my favorite actress of all time. Mm -hmm. And she stars in it. And she's like, Jesus Christ, she's like the mitochondria. You know, she's just the powerhouse of the film. And... I wanted to, and that, that was a Pasolini film. And I was like, you know what? I want to see his other lesser known slash less polarizing films. So I got one called Tio Rima. And that one I'm eager to see because it stars um, Terrence Stamp, who is the actor who played Toby Dammit in the the Spirits of the Dead movie we saw. Oh, cool. He was also, I always remember this role, the villain in Get Smart. Stop. The movie Get Smart. So That's much- him. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, full circle. I know. I know. So I always remember him as that. So I was really surprised to see him have like a very prominent Italian um, filmography, especially in his younger days. So he was Toby Dammit himself. Um, so yeah. So I got that. And then the two I got from, nope, I'm wrong. I got three from Amazon. La Piscine. I had to. Great. Are you kidding me? We've been talking about that for forever. I had to. I, as it's funny, because I actually have studied like Soviet cinema slash USSR cinema slash Russian cinema, depending on the decade you're talking about, but I've never seen an Andrei Tarkovsky film. Oh, I I hear about him all the time. Oh my God. TikTok loves the dude. So I was trying to figure out which one to start with because there is um, Solaris and that one is kind of related, obviously, you know, um, but I've been working on something with a similar title. So I was like, you know, I don't want to pull inspiration from that. I don't want people to think, oh, she's copying or anything like that. So I decided not to venture that now. Um, But I went with The Mirror. I hear about it all the time. I I was debating between The Mirror and Stalker. Ooh, I haven't heard of Stalker, but everybody raves about the mirror on so, I see it all the time. You know, Criterion promotes it a lot now too. And then I believe the Criterion group on Facebook, I've heard a lot about it from them. Yeah. The everyone hypes it up. And essentially, like and Stalker, I, I know a lot more about Stalker because Stalker was filmed at a abandoned nuclear slash chemical plant. So after everyone worked on Stalker, like majority of people ended up getting cancer because they were exposed to like huge levels of like, you know, chemical and radiation and things like that. So I was contemplating that, but you know who was the deciding factor in what movie I was going to pick? Who? Your favorite man, Lars von Trier. Oh, So I I went with it because he actually quotes The Mirror as one of his most, like, one of the biggest movies that had the most influence on him growing up. Oh, God. What am I going to (laughs) see? So I, that was my deciding factor. And then the last thing I got, because once again, I heard everyone talking about it on um, the Criterion, on the Criterion TikTok and whatnot, was Barry Lyndon, a Stanley Kubrick film. I love Barry Lyndon. I've never seen it, and I honestly never heard of it until I saw it on the Criterion page. It is such, such a good movie. It's so good. It is, I'll give you, no spoilers, but essentially a, like, uh, 1700s 
male gold gold digger. That is the premise okay. of the movie. It's so good though. It's basically about a man who's a social climber and how he kind of manipulates his way to the top and it's it's such Ooh, a good movie. You know what? We should do a a double like a duo movie um where we review two movies because literally Tio Rima is the same thing where essentially it's Terrence Stamp flirting and seducing all members of a single family. What? Yeah, that's Tio Rima. So maybe we'll have to it. do a double feature, double a little scandalous double feature. I really like Barry Lyndon. It's I really I'm actually you know what I probably will pick that up on for the sale too. But um, do it, yeah, do it, do it, do it, and then we can watch them together and review it sometime soon. Such a good. It it doesn't get talked. You know, surprisingly, I don't feel like it gets talked about a lot though, in terms of like Stanley Kubrick, because you always hear whenever people think of Stanley Kubrick, they think two thousand one and um shining and things like that yeah this one kind of falls obviously in the criterion world it doesn't but in general i think it falls through the cracks Mm -hmm. i feel like it's definitely like for me top four top four like of your favorite movies oh kubrick oh of kubrick okay yeah yeah there's definitely a lot more kubrick i want to um dive into i and what the next one i kind of want to try eyes wide shut one day but we'll see we'll Uh, see how brave i'm feeling (laughs) you gotta do like mental exercises before you watch movies like well i think first i just need to be able to get through all the criterions that i bought first especially mirror true you got homework to do i got a lot of homework to do you can't be thinking about other movies right now so I am still, um, there is one more DVD box set type that I am contemplating. Okay. And it's going to be like, you know, hopefully we're seeing family soon. Hopefully they'll be like, hey, kid, here's a quarter, you know, <laughs> and they'll accidentally slip here's me a, a 20 and maybe, you know, maybe I'll get it. Um, I'm really, really eyeing the, the fast bender, the early fast bender set. Do it. Well, and it's also like it's a sixty dollar box set, so now it's like on sale for like thirty, thirty five, or Do something like that. It. But I just, I just let me get the other movies first, and then I also have to even see if I have the room now. I already know I have to clear out a drawer. I'm literally gonna have like um, a Criterion chest at this point because I don't have enough room on the shelves to put the stuff. So I literally have to make a chest buy another shelf not a problem i i i don't even think i have the room but i know i can i know i can fit it all because that chest and i'm saying chest very lightly like it's it's a large chest like it's it'll probably fit another 40 to 60 dvds in there so i think i got some room for now but it's only a matter of time oh but the the one Fassbender movie I really want to see solely for the title name is Beware of a Holy Whore. Come on. That's a riveting title. Tension grabber. Absolutely. Of course. And also in the early Fassbender set is Love is Colder Than Death. I love that. Love that. We have Gods of the Plague. Ooh. Current to the relevant times. Um, the American Soldier. Wow. A German writing about American soldiers. Um, incredible. What a what a what a what a fan! <laughs> he what an array a, of diversity. His, his titles are great. And then a German film, I believe, to pronounce Katzelmacher. Ooh, yeah, no I idea what it. that's about. But I really like, as you can tell, I've been really into dark directors. 
Yes. Von Trier being one of them. I literally bought a book that says Lars Von Trier's Women. Like, come on. L- read come it and on. give me a summary because I'm interested. His so women... far, it's looking pretty cool. It's looking at how he views women and how in terms of like the role and things like that. But it's definitely interesting. It's I'm very happy I was able to get it the price that I did. So if anyone's curious, it's called Lars Von Tries Women. And it is edited or it is by um, Rex Butler and David Denny. And it's, it's a Australian film textbook. And so the textbook was originally like 180 to $200. And wow. they de- then did a paperback. Still for a paperback, very expensive. It's like 40 bucks. But I have been eyeing this for years. So I'm like, you know, I think it's time to, like, pull the trigger on it's this. It's education. You need it. You're just investing I got it. You know, I, I love I love directors who just perplex me. And I think that's why I'm really right now into Von Trier as well as um, Fassbender. They just – I'm like, what, what was going on in your heads? <laughs> and I really want to know. I really – I'm a curious little kitten. Ew. That sounded disgusting. If I ever say that again – Beat me. <laughs> <laughs> you got caught up in the that. moment. I hated you that. You got Be- caught up in the moment. It's- because you know why? I, I think it was just, I thought it was, I thought like, because I was trying to be a, a alliterative and trying to rhyme and whatnot. But then I instantly thought of like those guys, the fedora wearers and, you know, the discord guys who says like, come here, little kitten. And then also Ew. like. Be like my sussy baka, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, immediately you thought of yourself? that, and I was repulsed. It was a slip. Forgot. It's okay. Like you can tell, if I were to ever have that little slip again, just you could take the Lars von Trier's women book and hit me. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's well deserved. <laughs> well deserved at that point. Um, but, I'm deciding between a box too. Ooh, okay. Lay it on me. What What you thinking? Either the Bruce Lee set or. The Dietrich and von Sternberg, Sternberg and mm-hmm. Hollywood. Oof. I honestly, if I had a pick, and the reason why I say this one for you is not only because I would pick it, but you've mentioned it more, and it would be the Bruce Lee box set. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll probably get both this year. For sure. Yeah, well, yeah, the other sale is usually in November. So it just, I don't know which one I want first. Oh, and also here's a little hack for you guys who are shopping for Criterions. If you have, and this is not sponsored, totally could be, but it's not. If you have the Honey plugin on Google Chrome, sometimes I've been able to get Criterions with an additional $1 to $4 discount added on top of it just because it would give me a Honey coupon. Nice. So check that out because that's pretty sick. So I would definitely, and usually for the box sets, it's usually anywhere from like, for normal criterion, it'll be like $1 to $4. For box sets, it's I think it's between 5 and 10 just depending on the title. So I would definitely use that and see if you can get ex- any extra discounts on the Bruce Lee box set. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Should we get into the banger we saw? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. So today's movie we are talking about is the movie Zola. Um, essentially, a stripper named Zola embarks on a wild road trip to Florida, where we live. And it is not to our homes and not to, we're not a part of the story. <laughs> um, but it is uh, written and uh, directed by uh, Janiska Bravo. And also based on, and I love how even IMDb says, based on the tweets by um, Isaiah King, a.k.a. Zola. And it stars Taylor Page, Riley Keough, Nicholas Braun, and where's the one guy? Where's the one guy? Coleman Domingo as X. So Taylor Page as Zola, Riley Keough as as Stephanie. (laughs) Not going to be confusing at all. And Nicholas Braun as Derek. And once again, Savannah's username is Justice for Derek. Now, before we get into that, Savannah, without any spoilers, what did you think of the movie Zola? This movie was crazy. I knew it was one of those things where you know it's going to be like a wild story, but to actually see it put to life, wow. Um, I appreciated a lot of things about this movie. Like, obviously, some of the subject matter is a little graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I did that I really enjoyed is if you noticed every kind of inappropriate or graphic scene was kind of met with some comedic element. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that because it kind of let the tension out because I was like, oh, God, what am I going to see in this movie going into it? So yeah. I really like that they took that route. All the characters were super animated. Everybody in this movie was just larger than life, which and they needed to be. And it just made everything feel very real. Mm-hmm. So I thought this movie was crazy, but in a very good way. Yeah, I I will say I was and I think. A24 is so lucky because they're kind of now synonymous as like, if something has the A24 logo, you oh, know, yeah. you gotta, you know, strap in the seatbelt. this if it was an A, yeah, if anybody else Universal Pictures, movie? get out of here. You did a, yeah, it would have been crap. We but A24, hold up. A24, hold up. We're working with something here. There's mm-hmm. always a few like studios that like, I kind of have, um, loyalty to and that would be xyz films a24 and there's one more but i can't really think about it right now oh ifc films usually i'll be like hey what we doing guys what are we watching today like because i i have um a kind of loyalty to the uh, legion m2 none of these are sponsored and i'm not influenced by them but it totally could be if we're gonna be honest i mean we have seen Quite a few, if not all, A24 movies. Yeah. I so, mean, I mean <laughs> just throw I, that out there. I will respect any person that will give something like or simply just give Tusk the opportunity. <laughs> and A24 and <laughs> XYZ right. films were the people to give Tusk that fair shot. So I appreciate them for rock. that. But yeah, so... I was pleasantly surprised. I knew it was going to be good, but I was not expecting the direction it took. I was expecting it to be, and this is still not spoiler. This is just just kind of a simplified review of it. I was expecting it to be graphic. I was expecting it to be a lot to handle. And it is in terms of plot, but not in terms of sex scenes and violence and things like that, which I'm happy about because when you have the center of the story being around stripping and prostitution blah 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 things like that it can get a little bit overwhelming 
Yeah. And so I was really happy with that. I'm also so happy with the cinematic approach that they did to it. It easily could have been like the film Spring Breakers or Bling Ring or any other crappy, you know, Y2K inspired like film, but it wasn't. It surprisingly took this very nice vintage approach to it. And let's let's start talking about that. So the way this films look, and this is going to be where we have spoilers. Um, I and I told you, and I because we saw this movie together in person. It was my first movie back in like a year, so I was so happy. But I kept whispering to you, I was like, "This feels like a Kubrick movie because of the way it's shot." Which I thought that was interesting too. You even made a at one point like you were just like, "Oh, like that looks like The Shining." Yeah, because they involved a lot, and I was totally for it, because you had a lot of shots just kind of looking at empty roads driving with the classical music. And I was like, holy crap, that reminds me of The Shining. But also the way certain characters are pieced out, like you, the way certain things are like pieced together, and just the feel of the movie felt more like a... like either 2001 like I felt like the characters and the way they interacted were very 2001 a space odyssey but the way the overall movie was filmed especially when Zola enters Florida kind of shifts into the shining yeah I could see that so it has and it was also shot on um actual film it was not digitally shot I believe it was shot on 38 millimeter you can tell you can yeah. tell there's a difference between that and digital very easily. And I thought it was a great choice because it really heightened the feel that it was a recollection and that it was someone's story being told from the past rather than ultimately trying to make it feel super modern. Yeah, definitely. So I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect. Now let's talk about our, our two main leads. So we have um, Zola played by Taylor Page and Stephanie played by Riley Keough. Um, I kind of like, <laughs> I kind of made this gesture to you before we saw the movie where I was like, oh, you know, Riley Keough. And you said one other movie and that's not what I was thinking. I literally looked at you and I kind of like hit my chest and I said, simple from the house that Jack built, which was probably like my face dropped. I was like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> she, she was kind of mortified because if you know, you know, so Definitely, I I may I hope I didn't like. I hope that didn't change your perception of the character because that really is you know when you can attach that scene to someone it kind of is like oh my god it can become a person's identity. Um, but what yeah. did you think of the uh, of Riley Keough playing Stephanie and Taylor Page playing Zola? I mean, I think every character is great and animated and larger than life, but I really think she kind of stole the show because she played this very complicated character because she's just kind of like this really loud mouth for lack of better words like ghetto just this you know trashy girl stripper yeah the character of stephanie like, correct yeah stephanie i didn't want to say it because i'm like well that's gonna get confusing in a little bit it's fine we could also just address it as riley keoff's character yeah riley keoff but she was also this very manipulative person as well that kind yeah, of brought in Zola and yeah. was playing this game of like, oh, come with me. And there was like, I don't know if we're going to get into it right now, but ulterior motives. And she kind of put Zola in danger. And the whole time, I think she apologizes once, but they did this really great. And I think this is where kind of R uh, Riley 
shined a bit. It was really great in the middle of almost to the end of the movie. They had this really great takeaway of Riley Keough's character's point of view. And it's basically this girl just recounting everything, but manipulating towards like, oh, I didn't even say anything. I'm a Christian. This girl comes up. Um, it. I think she did such a good job switching in and out to this innocent, like, I want to have fun to this kind of manipulative, manipulative character in a way. Mm-hmm. So, and to see her in this role, she's very, very talented. I've, I haven't seen her in too many things. Um, and I always thought she was a good actress, but she's very, very talented. And you can kind of see it through Zola, which is interesting because you wouldn't think this kind of movie would showcase you know, fantastic acting, but it really does. It really does. So yeah, for sure. And even, you know, how the characters and I, I'm going to say the word written because they are loosely based off real people. But it, I think in the film, in the beginning of the film, it does kind of mention like, this is a loose interpretation of what happened. Like, and I personally didn't see the original tweet. So I'm only go- I'm only going based off of what the movie is. And I was really impressed with uh, the character Stephanie played by Riley. Um, because she was complex because here she was in some scenes playing ditzy i don't know whatever like it's cool girl whatever you my boo thing (laughs) you know that type of attitude and then all of a sudden it would kind of shift into these oh this girl is like really trying to set me up and it's not just like oh you know this girl is just trying to like it's not like a simple issue like at the end of the day spoiler the character stephanie ends up trying to prostitute zola yeah ends up trying to prostitute zola and zola at never at any point in the film says that she is a prostitute or that she would sleep with people or do things with people in fact even in right before you know things when she's like oh you know you could just do this and she's like nah that's not my thing you know girls can do whatever they want but that's just not me so I really liked how for a character that seems so dim, there really was a dark motive to her. And I like that we didn't get to fully see it. We only got glimpses of it. Yeah. And I think Riley, I I really feel like it's so difficult to play somebody that's real, but you don't know. In fact, you have to go off of what other people are kind of saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming she used the tweets, but I feel like that's so incredible that you are playing somebody that's real, but you don't have any like, like anything to go off of. You're just going off of words pretty much and what other people perceptions. So she kind of had to create this character. That's a real person at the same time. So I was very blown away because Zola at the end of the day, the main character had the real Zola there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's easier when you can just see the person and, um, act out their mannerisms and the way they talk but really with Riley she was just gonna go pretty much tweets and I think Zola the real Zola so that's really incredible on her part that she was able to bring this person to life and I assume the real Zola gave it you know the stamp of approval yeah and I, I I definitely think so I think she was I think um uh Zola King she actually played a prominent role in making sure that the film was as good as it was and things like that. I'm fairly, fairly certain that she worked really well with the director. Um, But I really just, 
I, I do want to address something because there is some type of controversy surrounding the film. And that is how the character Stephanie is portrayed by Riley Keough. And I will say, because a lot of people say like, oh, if it, you know, essentially it's like, essentially she adopts this they gave her black a black persona. They said they, they gave, gave her a black scent, kind of. Yes. So I personally, I do not see it being wrong. And the reason why I say that is because if it is true to the original Zola's vision and, and her recount, I don't see it being an issue. Even if it's an exaggeration of the same character, I don't see it being an issue because there are, I mean, you're from New Jersey. I'm from New York. We know people <laughs> like Stephanie. Yeah. And also, let's be, cultural appropriation was a big part of her character. Yeah, for like sure. Like, it made it clear that this girl was just out here, like, saying whatever she wants, talking the way she wants. Um, but yeah, it really, apparently, I also saw a picture of her um, a long time ago. It was a, a part of the original uh, Twitter thread. I think she looked just like her. Really? So I assume Zola would have given her the appropriate accent that went along with how Stephanie really talked. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this person was written in thin air. Like this was a real person. And like you said, like we knew, I, I knew a lot of girls. I still know a lot of the girls that talk and dress like that. that mm -hmm. are, you know? Yeah. So I don't really see a controversy just because that was a real person and it does have a rhyme and a reason. For sure. For sure. And like, I, Oh, dang. I actually do see a picture of her. I'm looking at a picture of her right now. Yeah, it's actually identical how yeah. they looked. Um, but honestly, I don't see it being – because it also – they, the, they kind of heighten how ridiculous she is. It's not like she's like, oh, like she's normal and stuff. Like even um, there's times where Zola just looks at her like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you on? And things like that. So – I personally, I think it works for the movie and I don't think they're giving power to it. I don't think that they're shining a light on a character like Stephanie and go, saying, oh yeah, act like this or be like this or she's great and things like that. So I don't see an issue with the way they acted. I am curious to see what other people think, especially after seeing the movie in full. I don't think people should make assumptions about it until, you know, after they see the movie and actually see how this character is portrayed. But I did want to talk about it because I felt like it would be wrong not to mention it since it did get a lot of backlash. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I also think, you know, Taylor Page did a fantastic job playing Zola. She did a lot, you know, she was really great in terms of her facial expressions, you know, because in some moments, like, just the way she looked at people, especially, you know, X, the pimp. And just, she always, she had like these eyes that just say like a thousand words beforehand. Yeah. And I really thought that she did a great job. I had personally have never seen um, Taylor Page in a, in a movie before. I know she's been in other things too. Um, apparently she was in Ma Rainey's Black, Black Bottom as well as White Boy Rick. Um, but I've never seen her uh, performance, but I really thought she did a fantastic job in this movie. You know, she like stripped for this movie. Like she, she did, um, she became a stripper for a little bit. I mean, I wondered, I, it definitely looked like she had practice because 
from all the shots and stuff, it looked like she did all the stripping scenes herself. And I commend her for that because that is fantastic when you really want to bring such life to a character that you take on a hobby, like learning how to pole dance and things like that for it. So, but if she actually, I, I did, I do think you're right. I think I did read something where she did like kind of work a few days as like a stripper in um, LA, I think, right? Yeah, something like that. I know, I don't think she like did it full time for months, but she definitely like had some prior experience for specifically the movie. She was doing this for Zola. Mm -hmm. So I commend her because I think in the future, when we see her in different roles, like we'll know like this girl's committed. Because if you're committed for this, and it's a great movie, but if you're willing to do that, then yeah. And I do think it was a great choice of her being committed to the movie because it really did. There has um, to be some accuracy. Of course, and but it really did because easily they could have hired a body double and things like that. But honestly, um, you know, a body double to do the stripping and whatnot. But it does add that sense of realism. It does add like, no, like she is a stripper and this is what she does type of thing. And I do commend them for doing that. And I do commend Taylor Page for going out of her way and learning how to pole dance and actually pole dance in front of people and things like that. So I really commend her. Um, one thing I really thoroughly enjoy about this movie is and I've said this before they easily could have chalked up this movie filled with so much sex scenes with yeah. so much nudity and things like that and I'm really happy they didn't because I feel like at some point it would have taken away from the storyline yeah I do think it was necessary so like for example um Riley Keoff, I think we see her topless in a scene or two but I don't think we absolutely see her full nude or if we no, do it's I don't not even think we see her topless maybe not I maybe not I mean yeah I mean obviously everybody's in like risque outfits and bikinis and all that stuff but I don't think we see her fully nude yeah no and so what I really I think that was a great idea because it really just would have taken away but one of the things that I enjoyed was when they did use nudity it was rather strategic like when we see Stephanie um prostituting herself we don't we see like some glimpses of her having sex and then zola's in the corner just like disgusted and facing a wall and stuff <laughs> i think that was great well, but also yeah. i really think one of the best way that they can show prostitution instead of just showing the female actress all completely nude they decided to just show a bunch of men ranging all different ages beginning to strip and get naked and I thought that was a really great way at, you know, conveying yeah, what her switching. job entails. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I like that aspect of it, too, because it's usually focused on the woman. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, one of the I think one of the most unique things about this movie is the comedic element to the few graphic scenes that are in it. Yeah. I don't think you could have done it better. Like even in the, um, the scenes where they're stripping, which wasn't long. And I appreciated that just because after a while it does get old. Oh my God. The one guy where she's like when Zola's dancing and stuff and takes the money from this really, really, really skinny farming looking white guy. And he goes, you look like Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she just goes back. <laughs> that scene was so funny. But that's what I mean. I think that is what gives the movie its charm is because when you take those scenes too seriously, like I said, it can get very old very quickly. 
like, I and it was, saw this. And yeah, and it, it was extremely balanced. And it also did a good job with that in terms of bouncing off different characters, like Derek. So we got to talk about Derek now. Oh, I think man. Derek is kind of like the underdog of this movie because he provides a lot of the comedic relief and stuff, but also like a new side that you wouldn't think of. And that is the the partner who has to silently, well, not so silently, but suffer with their partner going out, prostituting themselves, stripping and whatnot. Like he was so funny. And like, I think especially like it really just sets the tone when you just see him pacing in the, in the abandoned room back and forth. He's like, cookie, cookie, are you hungry? (laughs) Do you want to get some food? Do you want to get some food and stuff? And I really liked how it was really good to see the, the juxtaposition between a character like him as well as a character like the pimp. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought it was very necessary because I, especially in terms of, it gave us a glimpse into Stephanie's mind. It gave us a glimpse into how she obviously kept going towards the abusive guy. And there's even one scene where in the beginning where um, Stephanie looks at Derek and it's like, uh, whose is this? And he's like, I'm yours or something of the line of that. And essentially an hour later into the movie, um, the pimp goes up to Stephanie and, and he points to her and says, whose is this? And she goes, ah, this is yours. Like, and things like that. And it really just, I remember you and me both went, oh, Derek God. was there too. This man. And he threw up the poor kid threw up. <laughs> he really <laughs> like he blew chucks at that point. But I really liked because not only did it give a sense as to as as to how she viewed herself, but also how she viewed others and how she played others, not just Zola, but how oh, she yeah. was playing Derek as well. For sure. Yeah, he this poor kid just wanted to come along for the ride. Just wanted to hang out with his girl. Yeah, he just wanted to, and he just, he just wanted to look at vines, and he just kept saying, I'm gonna make movies like this one day, and they're nine-second movies. He, he, (laughs) the end of the movie is essentially, like, him threatening to kill himself, and everyone just being like, yeah, whatever, and then he's like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and then he just jumps out a window. I really think this is like one of the first movies that we've seen that accurately displays what gaslighting is. Oh yeah, she like <laughs> they really just cut deep into Nicholas. Like he he's been waiting all night. He goes and he meets a guy and ends up biting him in the butt and he's like, "Yo, I thought we were bros." And like they just make him feel bad at every single moment and they're able like especially the pimp and Stephanie they take moments that he's just a part of, twist it around, and they just go, oh, yeah, no, it's your fault. You're responsible for all of this, X, Y, Z. And to the point where, as Savannah was saying, he starts losing his mind. He's like, I can't do this. I'm going to jump. And he ends up jumping off the balcony, and he ends up hurting himself. But another comedic relief, because he just he, it doesn't look like anything serious. He's just bleeding from the head, and then the pimp is driving um with him and they're driving on the way to the hospital and <laughs> what does he say to him and he he's turns like, around don't, and he's die. Just, <laughs> don't die on me mother effer and he's just like uh like bleeding from his head and stuff clearly not going to die or anything like that but he added a really great element to 
um, the film. And I'm really happy that they went with Nicholas Braun. And I was telling you, any movie that has Nicholas Braun, you know it's going to be good. It's usually like any person who was in the movie Sky High, if they have a reoccurrence in a movie, you know that movie's going to be good. Oh, you got to watch. Have you ever heard of the show Succession? I know he's on it. I know he is on that show and a lot of people love him for that i personally really enjoyed him in um i believe he was in um stanford prison experiment yeah with the other one yes he was in there he was also in perks of being a wallflower yeah he was so there's that but i also saw him in a short film and i talked about on tiktok victor in paradise okay really good short film i highly recommend checking it out it's on uh youtube victor in paradise okay so it was really good. But yeah, him, he, it's just one of those things where if you see him in a movie, it's going to be good. All right, let's get to the, <laughs> what was his, do you know his name? Coleman Domingo. What was his name in the movie? They just call him X. I don't think we learned his, yeah, maybe. No, they, I think it, they don't really ever mention his name. I think they, but in IMDb, he's just credited as X. I just want to say the best one of the best parts of this movie is the accent changes this man goes through oh absolutely i was already a fan of him because i really loved the this um the euphoria special the 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 movie long like the hour and a half long special with him and zendaya in the the diner i thought that was fantastic and i loved him as an actor in that but it was really cool to see how and he's going to be in the movie Candyman, so i'm really eager to see how he is in that but with this movie, oh my god. It, it really, even though the accent change doesn't sound like something so serious, the way he uses it makes his character terrifying. Yeah. Because he's very smooth talking all throughout the beginning. Like, hey there, mama. Like, you know, very smooth and things like that. Then all of a sudden it switches into this, you know, very, very deep and rich, um, like, African accent. Um and it just changes and it kind of just like it's almost like always like whenever he switches into that voice like it's almost like very so commanding where he's just going like I am not your friend I own you like whenever he switches into that voice the first time he switched was very very like startling I remember being oh because he immediately (gasps) went from like hey man like it's all cool and then make we're gonna go here at her yeah crazy I liked it. He was very, very entertaining. And again, just like other aspects of the film, like the graphic stuff, he went from just this horrible, mean person and then having some comedic moments and then just being super smooth. So much in just one performance. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. And even like the moments with um, with him and his girlfriend wife i want to say it's the wife because they had a full-blown portrait that is true yeah like it was just very i wasn't expecting that because here he is a pimp right and i just wasn't expecting him not only to have like this huge mansion and whatnot but to be dating this mammoth of a scandinavian woman with she was hips an for days yes gorgeous but like my god the the woman like the proportions on her were astronomical like out of this world like holy crap like i was like she was definitely like when you saw her on the screen you just kind of went whoa because yeah. it was very like va, va, boom, <laughs> all the way 
So she was fun and she had her witty moments too. I got to see what the actress's name is because she was really fun in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to find her. But she was she was very good and I enjoyed her presence. And she really did add like, especially when Derek is like, I'm going to kill myself. She's like, do it. Do it. (laughs) So she was uh, her name is Sophie Hall. Okay, cute. Her name is Sophie Hall. Yeah, I think I think she was really great and she was really funny in it. Yeah, again, I think this movie just demands your attention on every turn. And I think that's the only way they could have gone with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they went with this because any any or if they try to do too serious, if they try to do too like wild, I don't think it would have worked as well and I don't think it would have deserved the respect it should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um and because they went this route, I think the movie in a lot of regards, deserves respect, which is crazy because when you look at it, when I saw the trailer for it, like, honestly, when I asked you to go see it with me, it was because it was A24, and it was just because, all right, let's let's go see it. Like, it looks decent. It looks fun. I, I like Riley. Like, I didn't really think it was going to be this good of a movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I thought this was just like, all right, And whatever. I think also that is definitely that should be noted before seeing the movie. That this is not going to be like your your fast nine. This or- isn't going to be hustlers. That's what yes. I should say. It's not going to be hustlers. It's not going to be hustlers. It's going to be a more serious than you expected, but still lighthearted move. Kind of, once again, I'm thinking Stanley Kubrick, kind of like Clockwork Orange, where it kind of has these very mild light it's not really funny but it tries to be funny but it's still very creepy you know what i mean like it's not dark dark kind of clockwork orange or am i just not making sense it's, well wait it's not clockwork orange then what what would be another kubrick film uh you know barry linden wouldn't be a bad comparison to compare it to. i haven't seen barry lindon so i can't say i was thinking map- clockwork orange because you have like moments where it's like all calm and cool and collected and then it goes straight into singing in the rain and beaten and Chaotic. you know curmudgeon and yeah. all things like that um but i will say like with barry lindon i think the subject matter is dark but they he manages to keep it light mm-hmm. until it's not light and then there's some very few comedic moments in there and mm-hmm. it's filmed great too, so that's why I was thinking Barry Lyndon. But I know what you mean, where it's like a stark, a very grasping change. It goes from yeah, I understand what you're saying with uh, Clockwork Orange, but um, yeah, because I feel like parts of of you know Clockwork Orange go from like somewhat normal to the absolute bizarre. Like when you have the women in white paint, you know, just being used as tables and whatnot. That kind of contrast, it does kind of have that. In, in my head maybe not near exact or not as near stark but it does have a just overall a really great balance and it's very the entire film is very whimsical in terms of the way certain shots are and you have these great like sequences where you have the two girls like getting re- ready in like this room of mirrors and stuff very dreamy in certain elements which I really liked because I felt like it conveyed like a sense of like everything seems good right now but it's all a dream and it's going to disappear soon i really liked a lot of the elements that they used within the filmmaking of this movie yeah um but it's still with all that said it's still the fun movie that you want it to be 
Because yeah. I know a lot of people are going to go into this movie and be like, oh, this is going to be like Spring well, Breakers. And as of right now, this movie is not doing well at all in terms yeah. of critic reviews. Well, not critic reviews, but like general reception, not doing well. Critics are praising it though. Like Roger Ebert had great reviews and stuff, but even just skimming through some INDB reviews, a lot of like one star reviews because this was not the film people were expecting. But unfortunately, I do think that has to do with how it was advertised. Um, it it does seem like a party movie and it does seem like Spring Breakers and Hustlers because it was advertised like that. Yes. People didn't think they were going into something that was actually like had, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was deep. They were expecting a lighter movie and it ended up being a lot deeper than what it appears to be. Yeah, and it was well done. You get a well done story. And also it's it's not super graphic. There's there's not a most of this movie is just about a girl kind of getting manipulated and pulled into this very dangerous situation with very larger than life, but characters that had also a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. So I feel like unfortunately that might have to do with the marketing of this movie and I think a lot of movies you know what that reminds me of it reminds me have do you remember that controversy controversy when um the Shyamalan movie came out the the village remember the village the village where do you have you seen it the village Mm-mm. so basically the village I believe was kind of marketed as this horror movie and it was it was supposed to be like this thriller and but I'm not going to spoil it for you because I would actually think you'd like it. It ended up not being that at all. It ended up being like a drama romance, oh. and it just got murdered. Like people were very very upset mm-hmm. and gave it bad reviews. So I feel like it's that. I just feel like when you don't market a movie correctly, and I'm not even saying they didn't market it correctly because it. I, I don't even think I was disappointed or I was like, oh, like I was surprised in a good way. But when you market a movie so drastic or different or even just a, a little bit, you know, a different uh, perspective than what the movie really is, people are going to be disappointed. Absolutely. And I think it happens all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can understand like being like, oh, but this isn't a movie. Like, and I could understand that. But at the end of the day, like, I've been there and there are some movies that I felt like that way. Like I think, for example, the movie Spring that we talked about mm-hmm. is not at all what you expect it to be, but it is what it is and it ended up being good. I think it's okay as long as the movie is good, but I do understand that there are sometimes just movies that you think are going to be one way. They're totally different and it just does not work. Yeah. Um, but I think this in this case, it, it should enough. work. I yeah. think this one, it really does work. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's It really ticks the mark. It's got that more serious cinema feel that I like to it while also being highly entertaining, very enjoyable to watch. The pacing was great. I didn't feel like there were any like dragging moments, even with, you know, the shots of the car driving and things like that. It, overall, it just really beat my expectation because when you have a, like a movie like this could have been given to a director and they really could have dumbed it down. Like they could have been like, okay, we'll slap on, you know, this and this, we'll add some cutscenes and things like that. But they really could have dumbed it down. But instead of what I feel like they made was a really smart, dark comedy with that was highly entertaining with a lot of great drama in it. And I'm glad they did that because I don't, 
I think a lot of movies like this do deserve the justice of of not being like idiotic because yeah. like you said they could have made this really like graphic and just kind of dumbed it down and made it this crazy wild party movie but they gave it substance and it did it justice and they made something that you could watch that's not this not to say spring breakers was horrible but it it's kind of the opposite of this in a way where like okay we gave the audience what they want they wanted this crazy wild party movie and they added a little things in here and there but I think they did this one justice and maybe they learned from that I don't know or maybe I was thinking it probably had to do with do you think Zola pushed for that or do you think that was more a24 I honestly think that would it is more from the director uh Janexka Bravo. And the reason why I think so is because, and I told you, she's actually, she was married um, to the actor from Fleabag. And I can see this movie maybe having some kind of, not connection, but feel to the show Fleabag, where there were moments that were very serious and dark, but there were also moments that were just really funny and light and airy and things like that. That's a very good point. I'm wondering if it it just kind of seemed to be like this new age and I'm loving it where um, a lot of women directors and women writers are now taking on this role where it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to have our funny, but we're also going to give it that seriousness that people are watching or people are wanting to see. Because if you notice that with a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies, it's always split down the middle. It's never really like we're only now finally getting like really well-balanced movies and things like that regularly. Normally, I feel like it would be like a once the blue moon type of thing. And I don't think there's there's anything wrong with liking movies that are alone highly entertaining or movies that are alone that are entirely serious. But I do think it's a great new movement because life is balance of things. It's culmination of different things. Life is never just all seriousness and things like that. And life is never just fun and entertaining and things like that, especially in the long run. So it does kind of feel like that new wave of women-led comedy going on. And I'm here for it, to be honest. Yeah, and I think, but that's how these stories get made because truthfully, a lot of people won't see a movie about a stripper that kind of gets in the middle of this prostitution issue. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, maybe it's probably not a movie I would have saw at first. Um, but I, I think what changed my mind is I, I saw a lot of the interviews from the movie and I realized I'm like, okay, this could this could be something or all right, whatever, I'll give it a shot. And if you're that person that doesn't want to watch those kind of movies or doesn't appreciate, like, doesn't want to deal with graphic scenes, totally mm-hmm. get it. But this movie is balanced enough to where you could skip 15 seconds and you're on to the next thing. Or if, if it's not your thing, there's so many other elements to it besides the stripping and the prostitution. So I think in the sense that we need the balance, we need the, all these balanced stories because if not, we're going to miss out on things like Zola, mm-hmm. in all honesty, movies that we probably wouldn't watch. Just, I mean, personally, me, I probably wouldn't have seen this if it weren't for like the interviews and stuff. But from watching Zola, I think now I will have more of an open mind. But it's like you're saying, it's it's really the new wave of storytelling. So I Yeah, hope- where you can kind of mix. And like another example would be a show that we were talking about last time, Kevin Can Wait. Another show that is mixed with serious elements as well as comedic relief and things like that and just kind of plays around with it. I really think those are now like 
just a really great way of telling stories. And now the more that I think about it, this really does have a lot of Fleabag-like elements to it that I think work well for the movie. You have moments where Zola kind of talks to the camera, even moments where Stephanie talks to the camera, and that may take inspiration from the show Fleabag. You have a lot of, for example, Fleabag is about a totally slutty, whorish, self-proclaimed woman, and it yet it does not show an absurd amount of sex as most TV shows do. No, and Fleabag is rarely graphic. Even with that um, subject matter, I didn't feel like it was horrible. And same with this movie. For the subject matter, it wasn't horrible. And it, everything was pretty quick. So again, if you're not that person that is into these kinds of movies, but likes interesting or exciting stories, this is where it's at. Seriously. And I really hope more people take advantage of the, I'll just call it the flea bag, the flea bag movement. I like that. For That's sure. ours. Mm-hmm. Um, That's because, credited to us. We want sites sorted, you film absolutely. little critiquers and whatnot Purple on YouTube Noon. that are going to be like, oh, it adapts the flea bag movement. Credit to Purple Noon, to Stephanie Conti and Savannah Lanause. We it. deserve it. We're putting it out right now. Absolutely. Cite your sources. Cite your um, sources. Yeah. Because- I want MLA format. <laughs> I want MLA format. We need more stories like this out and not just like hustlers and things like that. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of real life people that have had stories like this. A stripper and this, this she had the most amazing, crazy, I want to say what, like three nights of her life. Yeah. And we would have missed that. So I really hope more people get, get on this wagon because I... I don't know about you, but I really want to see more stories like this. And I want it see to see it presented like this as well. Absolutely. And I think it's so important that even if you have, you know, you know, movies like this that may someone may look at and read the script and go, oh yeah, that's gonna be like um, you know, it, that's gonna be like strippers or burlesque or any of those. Like, and I really think it's great that we can start looking at plots like this and go let's add a little fine art into it let's add a little cinema into it let's add some more because it's okay like anything can be cinematic anything and i say that in terms of like you know when you're comparing like a blockbuster made to make movies versus a movie that is made to show art or to tell something and stuff you can add elements of that to any movie despite the plot so i'm really hoping we can start seeing movies and stuff with maybe more wacky, wild, and untraditional storylines take on now new um, art, like new archetypes, new types of storytelling and not being afraid to add a little art to it and not being afraid to make a movie a a Y2K-like film. And I say that because the use of the cell phones and the fashion and stuff like that, very Y2K, but adding a 70s filmmaking element to it. It works. You can make it work, and it totally works in this movie, in my opinion. I'm always a big believer, and I've said it before here. It's important to listen to people's stories. And one of the ways to do that is watching movies, obviously. And the more we make films like this, the more stories that are going to be heard, and the more compassion and the more understanding we can have for people. Absolutely. And I know Zola's a stripper movie, and I know it's like, okay, well, but still, like, think about the potential that is unlocked in this kind of filmmaking. You can make a movie about everything or anything and maybe get through to somebody for the first time, like, oh, like, okay, I never really saw it like that. 
I think it's important, guys. Fleabag movement. The Fleabag 2021. movement. 2021. For sure. And also just not making, I think the last thing I'll say about this movie before we yeah. give our, like, you know, our final scores and whatnot. You don't have to make a movie about stripping, OnlyFans, prostituting, and have to have women feel guilty about it. You don't have to make that move. You know, you're not that guy. You don't have to make that move. Um, but uh, I really think um, this does a great job at that. It doesn't, like, yeah, the character is a stripper. The character is a prostitute. No one ever feels or makes a character feel bad for what they do. No, just the manipulative part. Just, just the, the manipulative that part and, you know, people doing bit. it for their own gain. But Not like, the actual for, act itself. Zola never criticizes Stephanie for being a prostitute. And no other character ever criticizes Zola or Stephanie for being a stripper. And I think that that's fine to not i think it's okay to have the absence of that within movies like this especially movies that are centered around sex work and things like that like it's okay to not include shame within the movies that doesn't have to be a requirement unless it's true to someone's story blah 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 etc yeah and i think also a good thing just to go off of that it also didn't do the opposite which i really liked both ways i like that it didn't glorify it and i like that it didn't shame them either yeah, you saw the high moments, the but it also set everything in reality and you took everything for face value. Of course, people have their own interpretations. They can still look at a movie and be like, oh my God, I need to do that. Or well, they can yeah. look at it and, you know, <laughs> they might like- currently be doing that and maybe like, absolutely not. I do not want that to happen to me. But it doesn't feel like it pushes you towards either direction. It just There's gives no you agenda. a fair side of showing which is yeah. which. There's no agenda here. And it's very character driven. And that's it. And that's that's what it needed to be. And I'm glad it went that way. It's just about the characters and their intentions of the movie. It didn't have an agenda. Absolutely. So with that being said, one, if this was put out as a DVD, would you own it? Oh, when it will be put out as a DVD, would you want to buy it? And two, what's your overall score for the film? I would own it. I think it's a I think I'd pop it in at some point. This is definitely it has a good rewatchability, I think. Yeah. I don't know how many people I could show it to. I don't I don't know how many people will be down for this. Yeah. Um, but I give it an 8.8. 8. 8.8. I, yes, I would love to have it on DVD because I really would love to see and just kind of focus more on the way the movie was filmed and things like that and just see if I can find any more influence in it because that really did pique my interest. Um, but also I would just rewatch it to rewatch it, you know. So with that being said, I would probably give it an 8.5. I think for me, it was really good and everything. The only downfall I could say about this movie is that at the end of the day, it's still not meant for everyone, which could be any movie, of course. But I think for me, there's a little bit, I I do, part of me does wish that there was a little bit more. I do want a little bit more drama. I wish there was a little bit more exclamation, you know, a little bit more stuff to happen as well as a more, solid concrete ending yeah however I like some closure as well however i don't think that it need I, it's like that's something i would have want i don't think it was yeah. absolutely needed but that is me being utterly picky so that's my score for that all right what's so, next what's I mean, coming up overall would we recommend it absolutely go see it if you haven't um and in terms of what's next on purple noon so we definitely know coming up we are 
doing two specials, one that I will mention and one I will not because surprise. It's a surprise and it's also one of those things where it would be it's going to be excellent, but at the sake of it happening, I don't uh, you know it's just things are still up in the air. People's schedules are tight and everything. And for the sake of it, by some chance not happening now, I don't want to tease it and mislead people. So, we, But we do have something really, really fun and cool planned. Um, the second thing that we have planned is we're actually, in a few weeks, going to be talking about Twin Peaks Season 3 with a guest. Guests will be announced soon, probably an episode beforehand, just to make sure everything is set in stone, blah, blah, blah. You know, things just happen sometimes in people's lives. But he's a really cool guy, so I'm really eager about that. And also, we have the Three Colors trilogy, a review of red, white, and blue. Man, we could have done that for 4th of July. (laughs) Stop the we could have done that for Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day. We're gonna review some Polish films. Woo! It's just us saluting, but with the French flag behind <laughs> us instead. <laughs> Which one was Poland? White. White. White was both. Both. All three of them are related because that's red, white, and blue is also the color of the French flag. But um, dun, dun, Poland dun, was dun, mo- uh, white was mostly set in Poland. All right, Poland. So yeah, because white's my favorite. You know. Some people, I I think it's my favorite too. Some people get really like defensive over which one their favorite is. Like all three movies are great. great. But I I did see a comment that was like, because I talked about red. They were like, hey, red's the best. White sucks. And I'm like, hey, now, no need to get loud, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Like, please. He sounds like he has some personal issues there with the movie. you, You know, I hate to say it, but usually when the people get loud like that in the comment section, I don't judge because you never know. What if that dude had been whited? What if someone Stop. did the same situation to him? <laughs> I can't. I understand now. I totally understand. But when someone's like, I hated it, I'm like, bro, you must have deep, hurtful connections to this movie, and I'm sorry for you. <laughs> they were all good films. I don't want to hear any blasphemy about it. You heard that, guys. You heard that. I mean, whatever. I just, I'll be like, eh, to each their own. Usually that's what I always say to people. And then people are like, I'm sorry that came across so rude. I'm like, it is what it is, my dude. You know, (laughs) you post that out there. You know, there's a digital footprint, man. Like, it is what it is. (laughs) But I don't know why I did a Jamaican accent. I think this is the- Accent switch. The night, oh. (laughs) No, I'm like the pimp. (laughs) Um, But- to each their own. We're going to be reviewing those movies. It'll be a good one. And yeah, hopefully uh, if the nice, awesome special happens, it'll happen next week. If not, we got to figure something else. So keep an eye out for the episode titles because you'll know which one is the special. You'll just know. And other than that, uh, we bid you all a good night. I mean, it's it's night here. Maybe it's not night for you, maybe, but whatever. Sleep well. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.